Longhorn Nation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, Christ. We're back. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire Steve Sarkeesian podcast, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. My name, as always, is Josh, and I will be your host today on a solo dolo episode of the show. No Noah, no Steven, no Tux, no one else. I think the uh, ULM game. While fun to get back into football season, not super exciting, and with the short week, hard to get everyone scheduled together. So, pretty quick little episode with just me by myself. Um, so, we'll, we'll we'll just go over the ULM game real quick. We'll talk Alabama. So, obviously, relatively easy W over the Warhawks, fifty-two to ten for Texas, and then we'll go into that that preview of Alabama. Sort of my general expectations of the game. Uh, like I mentioned last week's episode for the Alabama episode. I've got a few good ideas, I think. That I'm going to try and work out for some good content. Might be a little bit less traditional of a format for a podcast, but keep an eye out for that next week. Uh, also, if you will be in attendance at the game, I will be down in DKR. I'll be in Austin this weekend. So if you happen to see me out and about, if you happen to be in the stands and you see me, if you happen to be near the tailgate um, that I'll be at, which will be the R Longhorn Nation tailgate, you can find that one in front of Creekside Dorm. Come say hi. I will be out there probably as early as 5 a.m. and lingering as long as people are lingering out there, um, at least into the early evening. Got a pretty early flight on Friday to worry about. So, or on Sunday to worry about. Jesus, I can't even talk. But... Plenty of chances to come say hi, so stop by. With that, let's go ahead and dive into that game against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, We'll start on the defensive side of the ball. All in all, I think a pretty pretty boring game if you get right down to it for Texas. And I think that's a good thing, especially based on the way last season went. We saw a lot of issues with the defense, a lot of tackling issues, a lot of guys being out of position, a lot of guys... Spending a lot of time thinking and not necessarily reacting and just playing football. I think we saw a much more natural Texas defense this weekend. Started off with a bang. I think the the very first series, ULM, loses five yards on a delay of game. The very first play of the game, which I don't even know how that happens. Actually, I probably do know how that happens. I feel like we probably did that with Charlie back during his tenure, but... They, they lose five yards right off the bat. The next three plays, they lose three total yards overall. And then Texas sets up a punt and gets the punt blocked. Deshaun Jameson, no longer the primary punt returner. That's instead Xavier Worthy. Deshaun Jameson just goes straight up the gut on ULM. Uh, I mean, practically took the ball right off the kicker's foot. Um, Could have just taken it away himself, but gets the block. Uh, special teams superstar last year, Kylan Robinson, collects the ball, scores the easy touchdown, Texas's first touchdown of the 2022 t- campaign. Coming off a punt block, I'm not sure too many people had that on their bingo card, but a, a great start from Texas. And really, it didn't get a whole lot worse than that. I mean, ultimately, ULM did accumulate 92 yards rushing, 167 yards passing. So about a, 250 yards total, which... Not like in a, a completely shut down performance, but ultimately the only points that ULM managed to collect against the starting defense came on a short field uh, as a result of the offense turning the ball over. 
And they played pretty well. I mean, we had a goal line stand that we needed to make. Guys like DeMarvion Overshone really stepped up, was all over the field. I think he ended up leading the team in tackles by the end of it. And ultimately, it was his play coming off the edge against ULM that kept them out of the end zone against the starters. So a uh, really great play there. The entire defense is sort of following the uh, fake handoffs, and he's the one tracking the quarterback. Would have been an easy walk-in touchdown if it wasn't for Overshone playing some heads-up football there. Uh Another another guy, obviously, Deshaun Jameson with that blocked punt. Not his only highlight. He had a pretty solid game in coverage. Also had the pick six that will probably be one of those top plays for the season. Uh, really good to see Deshaun Jameson at least get a big play like that. A couple big plays after what was, again, a rough 2022 camp or 2021 campaign. Not just for him, but the whole defense. And I think he was possibly one of the guys who got picked on more than the rest as far as their performance last season. So really good to see Deshaun Jameson get back on his horse. Personally for me, I'm thinking the defensive MVP for the Longhorns has to be Baron Sorrell coming off the edge. I I lost track of exactly when he stopped taking regular snaps, but I think he came out of the came out of it with one and a half sacks, two sacks played really well, looked disruptive in the backfield was clearly the dominant pass rusher for Texas in a game where they had three total sacks. So it wasn't, a smothering performance, but a good start. We saw Baron Sorrell last year flash several times. Now the challenge for Baron Sorrell, take that next step. Be great not only against the pass, be great against the run, which he did a good job, I think, behind DeMarvion Overshone. He was the the top guy as far as tackling is concerned, like I said, other than Overshone. So taking that next step, really getting that consistency game to game, not just showing flashes of that brilliance or showing that exceptional athleticism that we've heard so much about from practice reports and fall camp and whatnot. Take that next step there. Be a great player for Texas between him and DeMarvion Overshone. Perhaps we've got something going there on the edge, but all of this comes with the caveat of yes, it was just Louisiana Monroe who by a lot of accounts is expected to be one of the worst teams in the FBS this season. So what what really matters there is that Texas, in general, did what they were supposed to do against a team that is clearly overmatched. 52-10, to 10, like I said, only three of those points coming against the starting defense. The other seven coming once we were deep into the two-deep, three-deep, having guys play late into third and fourth quarters. Um, so overall, a- an impressive game, even if it wasn't a completely smothering performance, but really a steady game for the Texas defense. Didn't have any really big plays go against them really didn't have if any uh very few missed tackles um so yeah a lot of positive trends but again it's about that consistency like i was talking about with baron sorrell the whole defense needs to prove that this is not an aberration this is the team they're going to be this year so a promising start obviously things are going to change slightly slightly you know better opponent to sort of judge themselves against coming up this weekend flipping it over to the offensive side of the ball obviously the big story for all the texas fans was the debut of quinn ewers not flashy from quinn i I would certainly not say uh really had that horrible pick uh on his second attempt that that was a ball that didn't need to be thrown certainly trying to do too much and I guess really one of those mistakes that you would expect out of a kid who's getting to take his first serious snaps as a college football player. So 
I mean, not something you want to see, but I guess if he's going to do it, I'd rather have him do it on the very first drive of the season against the team that we knew we were going to beat. So not, not a great start there. However, after that opening drive, he went 0 for 2 on that opening drive, missing on the deep ball to Worthy, and then on that interception. The rest of the way, 16 for 22, 225 yards and two scores. His night was done right around the midway point of the third quarter. So big game for Ewers. Uh, Good start to, to really get going. The natural arm talent was absolutely apparent. The amount of times that he would be sort of scrambling or rolling or stepping into the pocket, not necessarily have his feet set and kind of just flick the ball down the field. Next thing you know, it's 30 yards down the field. Uh, absolutely absurd. It Once that all really comes together, once the game slows down for him, once he gets sort of the energy under control, he is going to be lethal. And we saw an early sample of that against ULM. Um, and, and really the big guy who I think benefited from that steady quarterback play is definitely Jatavian Sanders. It's a sophomore. I think he's a sophomore. I don't think he played in f- more than four games last year, but sophomore, maybe Richard, freshman. Either way, Jatavian Sanders, six catches for 85 yards, really looking like the five-star tight end we were promised, and even more than that, looking like the early candidate to be the top safety valve that a guy like Quinn Ewers is going to turn to when when times get tough. Who's he going to look for? He's going to look for a guy like Jatavian Sanders. Looks absolutely steady. Uh, was the first t- passing touchdown for Ewers' career went to Jatavian Sanders. Looks looked great. Looked like a big, imposing, physical tight end. Great receiving threat. Very athletic, which is what you'd expect out of a five-star. So very interested to see how his role evolves if he becomes a, a truly featured part of this offense. Like I mentioned last week, tight end, not really a huge part of Steve Sarkeesian's offenses in the past, but he hasn't necessarily had a Jatavian Sanders. And based on this performance, bright future ahead for Jatavian Sanders. Uh, hopefully we get to see this continue throughout the year. Other guy to talk about, obviously, I mean, Bijan Robinson is obviously still Bijan Robinson. Uh, only 13 touches, light, light work for him. Um, so a little bit funny to see some rival fan bases hopping onto Twitter and going, look how easy it is to shut down B. John Robinson. 13 touches, 111 yards, and two scores. If that's shutting down B. John Robinson, I will take that 100% of the time. Uh, his one rushing touchdown, my God, the balance, the cutbacks, the, the the vision that he had to weave through the ULM defense and cut through and really just shake guys and, and make them miss tackles. Absolutely impressive. Absolutely elite. There's a reason he's the best running back in the conference and by far in the conference and especially in the country. Absolutely wild for the limited amount of work we saw from him. Obviously going to play a huge part in the offense going forward. This will be far from the last time that we see Bijan have a big game. Uh, Other interesting things of note there. Uh, Troy O'Mary turns out is a real person. Uh, finally, after the first two years of his time on campus being hurt, we got to see him play in a game. He caught his first career pass, one catch for nine yards. Again, like, like the story was for the offense, basically the entire time, nothing really flashy, but getting to, getting to finally show something. Troy O'Meary must've been nice just to be on the field, even just throwing blocks to get a catch. Great for him. Hope to see more of him throughout the year as well. Really, the biggest play for the offense came courtesy of NASCAR legend Casey Kane. Biggest single game of the night, 43-yard catch. 
uh, really showed some uh, some pretty good moves on that catch. Uh, overall, 249 yards passing, 134 yards rushing. Texas was in control of this one wire to wire. Outside of that Ewers pick, there really weren't a whole lot of questions to be asked about this Texas offense. Uh, the deep ball obviously was not really there. Uh, Ewers had several misses aiming for Worthy downfield that just didn't connect again. You know, some of that adrenaline the first time a kid's playing at the collegiate level, really playing meaningful snaps, throwing the ball down the field. Again, maybe perhaps trying to do a little bit too much, but like we've talked about on here and elsewhere, getting that deep ball down is going to be a big part of this offense. It's going to open up a ton of things for guys like Bijan Robinson and even guys like Jatavian Sanders. If Xavier Worthy is out there burning it down the field and threatening the defense to take the top off, then teams are going to have to respect that. If if Worthy and Ewers can get on the same page and really start hitting that stroke reliably, guys like Jatavian Sanders underneath are going to have a lot of space to work with. Guys like Bijan, Roshan Johnson, Jonathan Brooks, Kylan Robinson, they're going to have a ton of space to work with, and that is going to make Texas's offense even scarier than it was when it was humming last year. Uh, finally, special teams. Uh, Burt Auburn was definitely a guy to watch. Clearly got more kicking in than uh, Will Stone, but one for two on field goals. Had one 41-yard field goal that wasn't really an an ugly knuckleball or anything like that. A pretty good stroke there. Uh, The only miss really coming on a bad hold uh, right before the end of half. Isaac Pearson had a little bit of a messy game uh, on the hold for that kick, so that one came out looking really ugly. And then, like I said, Isaac Pearson also, he only really got one chance to punt, only got 15 yards on the punt, but uh, sort of showed off that athleticism. I I don't know if it's just an Aussie thing. Uh, We saw a lot of this from Michael Dixon. He's shown a lot of it in the NFL as well, but uh, the snap was perhaps a little bit low, but mishandled the snap for Isaac Pearson, recovers, picks up the ball, rolls out to his left, got the punt off, took the hit and everything, popped back up, all good. So... We'll we'll give Isaac Pearson an incomplete, though those two mishandled snaps, one on the the field goal and one on the punt, uh, sort of, you know, make you raise an eyebrow for a split second. And then obviously, uh, punt block still looks great. Uh, That was a big part for Texas, especially early in the year with Kylan Robinson. This time, some of the, the shuffle as Sean Jamison's role has changed up a little bit in special teams, especially on the punt unit. Uh, getting that block, being the guy coming right up the middle, because I think teams at this point know that Kylan Robinson is dangerous. So having him line up basically over the center and shoot right up the middle and practically beat the ball to the punter uh, was great. It continues to pay dividends. Having a guy like Jeff Banks on staff, that man is a wizard when it comes to the special teams. So, you know, all in all, I, I think the punt block was what we expected, what we wanted it to be. Burt Auburn gave me more confidence than I had based on what we heard out of fall camp and more to see out of Isaac Pearson. Hopefully won't have to see him a lot because, you know, punting means that something went wrong for the offense. With that, obviously, what we really want to talk about, the Alabama Crimson Tide this Saturday. According to ESPN's Football Power Index, Texas has an 18.2% chance current line in Vegas is Alabama minus 20. So the one thing you got to be thinking as a Texas fan after hearing all that is dumb and dumber Lloyd Christmas, the, the, 
you know, iconic words of Lloyd Christmas. So you're telling me there's a chance. Any given Saturday, you're telling me there's a chance. And I think that's what you kind of have to approach this as, as a Texas fan. The odds are stacked against you. No one nationwide expects this Texas Longhorns football team to be able to run with Bama, much less beat Bama. But you're telling me there's a chance. A lot of unknowns, a lot of knowns on both sides of the ball, but a lot of unknowns as well. Especially early in the season, we have no idea what everyone's made of. If Texas wins this game, I think it, it means a lot of positive things, and it is very, very unlikely to be sort of the paper tiger type of win that we got out of 2016 Notre Dame, where we found out, oh, that Notre Dame team actually sucked. This is arguably the greatest dynasty in college football history with the run that Nick Saban has been on at Alabama for the last 12 years, basically since Colt McCoy went down. There's there's no beating this Alabama team and going, uh, maybe they suck. Yeah, maybe they're going to have an off game. And I think the talent gap and the coaching gap and everything else that goes along with it, there's there's enough there that you're going to need some level of luck, some level of lack of focus from Alabama, some level of them just having a bad day. Sometimes the football gods are just not on your side. But you're going to take that every single time going to be huge for the program if something like that was was to happen with that let's take a look at Bama a little bit uh obviously Bryce Young won the Heisman last year he's back Will Anderson and Dallas Turner the pass rushing duo the absolute monsters for Alabama they're back um the biggest thing for this Alabama team even after winning 55 to 0 over Utah State last week what does that wide receiver core really look like? Because right now, you, you've lost your biggest targets if you're Bryce Young. And don't get me wrong, Bryce Young played really well in a 55-0 win over Utah State. Five touchdowns on like 18 passes. Dude was Bryce Young. However, the deep ball was not something that Alabama really, really tried. There were three deep shots. One of them was an interception. That interception was for the backup Jalen Milrow. And yes, it is that Jalen Milrow. That's the question mark. How good is this Alabama wide receiver core this season? We don't know. They have an incomplete grade after the the first game against Utah State. Everything was short, medium, some even behind the line of scrimmage passing. So uh, a, a lot of things to learn there for that wide receiver core. But we know that the Alabama run game is going to be good. We know Bryce Young is going to be good. We know that pass rush is going to be scary. Though, interestingly, against Utah State, 55-0, to zero, you would think absolutely smothering performance from the Alabama defense. Zero sacks. Not just for Will Anderson, not just for Dallas Turner. The entirety of the Alabama Crimson Tide football team had zero sacks. Not sure what to make of that. Texas gave up three sacks to University of Louisiana Monroe. One of those was against Quinn Ewers. Two of those were the first two dropbacks for Hudson Card, who did a deer in the headlights impression. An interesting data point. Can't imagine that Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are not going to have an impact on this game. That would be absolutely absurd. Um, and if they don't, if they, if those two walk away with zero sacks, uh, I, I'm I'm mailing feet picks 
to Kyle Flood. I don't know if he wants those, but he's getting them. I don't know how else to show my appreciation to that man. Uh, I, I will buy his kids Christmas presents. I don't give a shit. If Will Anderson and Dallas Turner have zero sacks, Kyle Flood, I might be you for Halloween. So with that, uh, I'm, I'm there's so many unknowns for that. So many unknowns for Texas. Will the deep ball stroke be there for Quinn Ewers? How will Bijan look? How will the offensive line look when you've got two true freshmen and Cole Hudson and Kelvin Banks? Kevin, Kelvin Banks looked really good against ULM. I think I saw he was like the highest graded freshman offensive lineman. Um, Hayden Connor looked really good. The offensive line overall looked pretty good against ULM. What what that all sort of comes together with the unknowns on both sides there. I, I, I don't want to put a score on it. That being said, I am a very pessimistic Texas fan, a very cynical Texas fan. I'm expecting the worst. I'm expecting every bit of that 20 point spread to come to fruition. And I'm hoping for the best. Football isn't a sport where you want to take away moral victories, but this is ultimately a huge measuring stick, especially as Texas is moving to the SEC. How big is the gap between Texas right now and where Texas wants to be competing for SEC titles, national titles? Alabama, for good reason, is the standard right now. If Texas is close, if it's competitive and you know they're within a couple scores at the end of the game... I think there's a lot you can sell there if you're a guy like Sark on the recruiting trail. Like, look, we're, we're a couple pieces away. That's all it takes. Just a few. This can be a big game, even with a loss. That being said, the goal is always to win. I will be there. I will be screaming my fucking lungs out. Everyone else who's there better be as well. I don't care that it's big noon kickoff. I don't care that it's going to be 95 degrees. I don't care that there's not going to be a cloud in the sky and we're all going to be dying out there. Load up on water. Load up on alcohol. Be loud as hell. We saw Alabama last year played four true road games. Three of them came down to one possession games against a not good Florida team, a not good Auburn team. Who else did they have on the road? Either way, they were not a great road team last year. They are a beatable team. Oh, obviously, fucking Texas A&M. So three bad to mid middling teams that Alabama struggled with on the road. This is a beatable Alabama team from what we know based on last year. So we can have an impact. The fans can have an impact. I want DKR to be as loud as I've ever seen it right now. For me personally, that is a 2019 LSU game being the next closest thing. So Louder than that, let's have an impact. Alabama won't have their band there because those losers don't want to walk all the way up to the top top level of DKR. I don't care. That means more Texas fans in the seats, more Texas fans standing up, being loud. Let's have an impact on that game. Uh, I, I will see you guys there. I cannot wait. I'm super excited. I'm hopping on an airplane in like 12 hours to get down to Austin. So going to be a ton of fun but thank you guys for listening to this episode of the fire steve sarkeesian podcast uh we will be back next week with our reaction to the alabama alabama game to discuss what went down in the meantime be sure to follow us on twitter at, at the fss podcast and join the Hornscast discord server you can talk to us throughout the week uh not just about texas football but texas volleyball who is looking phenomenal holy shit zoe fleck the transfer um was she from ucla or whatever holy god nothing gets past her 
Texas absolutely rolled top 12 teams in Ohio State, Minnesota, Stanford. Didn't even break a sweat. Absolutely looking like killers early in the season. Um, would love to talk about that with you guys on the Horn, Hornscast Discord server. Make sure you follow or subscribe to the Hornscast channel, whatever podcasting platform, whatever streaming platform you're listening on, whether that's, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't know if we got onto YouTube yet, Overcast. You name it. Any of those ones where you're able to pick up our feed, make sure you subscribe. You can get all of our future episodes as well as all of the episodes of 4th and 5, Pretend We're Football, all the other great shows on the network every time a new one releases. Finally, be sure to call in to the podcast Hot Take Line. You can reach us at 512-677-4578. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, Win or lose, I want to hear what you guys thought of that Bama game. Um, And... If you say something pretty entertaining, you have a particularly passionate rant, whatever it happens to be, uh, there's a good chance that you will hear yourself on the next episode. But like I said, I will be at the Alabama game. I will be in Austin. I'll be in DKR. So I'm looking forward to see you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you guys there. Uh, Until then, though, hook them.